Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Growing up in church, I grew up Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal. True story. And if you know anything about church, you know that's jacked up crazy. (laughs) Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal, which means I was predestined to speak in tongues while eating fried chicken at a deacon's meeting. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? But growing up in church, the first song I remember singing went something like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, For I'm going to your house today. Yeah, come on, give yourselves a big round. You did a great job. That is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it shows me that what we all as human beings experience today is not new, we're all broken, we're all messed up, we're all sinful, we've all got baggage, we've all got regrets, we all have things we wish we could redo, undo, or take back, and we're all in one way, shape, or form at some time in our life up in a tree looking for something real. And that's where I want to preach to you from today from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible, I'm gonna preach really fast. I hope y'all listen as fast as I preach. I wanna tell you what happened to Zacchaeus. I wanna show you a few things from this scripture because today, somebody needs to be encouraged. Somebody needs to be reminded of how good Jesus is and somebody needs to get saved in this house today. We've already seen nine people receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord today in this house. And we're going to see some more in about 25 minutes. This is Luke chapter 19. Let me read to you what Luke records happened that day in Jericho in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a certain man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Let me pause right there for a moment. He was not just a tax collector He was the chief tax collector. Now, there are some things in life I hate. I hate spiders. They're a tool of Satan to destroy the universe. I hate cilantro. There are 10% of the human race that has a genetic predisposition against cilantro. I hate it. It makes me want to punch a kitten. I hate cilantro. I also hate paying taxes. I don't like it. I wish I didn't have to. I mean, I'm willing to pay taxes. we got to drive on roads, and I love our military, and I love our police officers, but I don't really like paying taxes. I, I want you to understand that this guy we're meeting here, Zacchaeus, he's not just a good old boy. He's not everybody's buddy. Everybody hates Zacchaeus. It's because he takes their money. He's not just the guy that collects their taxes. He's the boss of all the other guys that collect taxes. He's what the kids nowadays would call the OG of tax collectors, the original gangsta of tax collectors. 
He was so good at ripping people off that the Roman government rewarded him. The Roman government said, you're so crooked, you're so criminal, you're so cutthroat, you're so greedy, we're gonna employ you. Let me tell you how they employed tax collectors back then. You didn't make a salary, you worked on commission. And what that meant was, if the Roman government said to Zacchaeus, a Jew, you need to collect a million dollars this year from your Jewish friends and give that to us as taxes. We don't care how much you take up as long as you give us a million. You keep whatever is left. And so they were notorious for collecting exorbitant amounts of money. That's how he got rich. But he had no friends. Everybody hated him. He was a Jew working for the Gentile Roman government. Nobody liked this guy. Probably wasn't married, rich, so he lived in a big house, but nobody ever came to see him. Nobody ever came to eat. It had been a long time since Zacchaeus had had any dinner guests. Nobody was touching this man with a 10-foot pole. So Jesus goes through Jericho, and the Bible says there was a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. He was rich, and verse 3 says, do not miss this, he was trying to see who Jesus was but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. He is the last person on earth we would assume would have an open heart or even a curiosity to God. Do not assume, church person. Do not assume, Christian, that the lost people you work with or that you eat with or that you go to school with or that you sit beside in your office complex or that live next door to you, do not assume that because they drink a lot of beer and smoke a lot of weed and have a lot of sex, do not assume that because they are not part of the same political party that you are, do not assume that because they don't come to church with you on Sunday or tithe or have an American flag and a Jesus sticker on the back of their car that they are closed off to the things of God. They might be looking for Jesus and for the love of God, may we never be like the crowd in Luke 19 that kept a man from seeing Jesus. I have political convictions. I have beliefs about a lot of things, but I don't ever want my personality. I don't ever want my, my own opinions about things to be a stumbling block that keeps a person out of the kingdom of God. That's why I do love Clemson, but I tell y'all I like Ohio State too. I don't want to put a stumbling block between me and you because I want to come back. <laughs> he, couldn't get, he couldn't see Jesus. He's a short man. Oh, also footnote here. I won't go too deep into the theology here, but according to Jewish culture and tradition, there were certain physical ailments that if you were born with them, it was believed that God was punishing you because of the sins of your parents or your ancestors. One of those was being extremely short. Now watch what happens here when Zacchaeus can't see Jesus. Verse four says, so running ahead. I love that symbolism. He'd been running his whole life trying to get ahead. Making money. Putting it in the bank. Getting paid. He's been running after the wrong things his whole life. Jesus walks into Jericho and now he's running ahead. Because he knows there's something different about this man from Galilee. 
There's something different about this Jesus of Nazareth. I've heard stories about him. He can walk on top of water. He can speak to demons and they obey. He can heal people who are blind. He can raise dead men who have already begun to rot in the tomb. I got to see this guy. So he runs ahead because he wanted to see. And he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Do not miss what Jesus just did to him. A crowd of people, hundreds, maybe thousands strong. I've been to Jericho. My wife and I lead trips to Israel. I've been there multiple times. They're lining the streets, and Jesus sees one guy. Jesus notices one guy. Jesus calls one man by name, the man everybody hates, the man everybody avoids, the man that nobody will move for, the man that nobody likes, Zacchaeus. He showed him kindness. And then Jesus invites himself over for supper. Now, I know in Ohio, y'all call it dinner. But in South Carolina, we call it supper. And in South Carolina, you got good friends, and then you got supper friends. Supper friends are the people that show up at your house right about the time you eat eating supper. And I grew up not poor, but we were, I mean, we were lower middle class, hardworking, blue collar people, lived on a farm, and we had family members and friends that would show up at supper time, and I can remember my mom saying, well, got to put another cup of water in the beans, put another cup of water in the soup. When you're Jesus Christ, though, you can invite yourself to anybody's house you want to. But, I, but don't miss this. Romans 2 says it is the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. When Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from the tree, it is a prophecy of what Jesus is about to do for Zacchaeus. He's about to humble him because Zacchaeus thinks he's riding on his high horse, but he's about to meet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's going to come down out of that lofty ivory tower, and he's about to do something that's going to blow our minds. But before any of that happens, Jesus calls him by his name and says, I'd like to come to your house. In other words, I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. I'm not embarrassed to sit at your table. It doesn't bother me to be associated with a notorious sinner like you. Y'all, I've been in ministry 35 years. There are some Christians who think that sin is like COVID and you'll catch it if you get within six feet of a sinner. But I'm going to tell you something about Jesus and I'm going to tell you something about the people of God. We don't get dirty by going to hard places and being around broken people. What happens is we bring the gospel with us. We bring the light with us. We bring healing with us. And when we go places, we walk in dominion. We walk in authority. We walk in faith. We bring peace and we help change the darkness of this world by bringing the light of Christ in. Quit being afraid of sinful people. You ain't going to catch nothing. All right, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. I'm, is that okay? <laughs> next thing you know, Luke just goes ahead and tells us what happens next. Verse 9. Oh, actually, ver verse 8. Don't want to skip this one. So, oh, verse 6. Because I can't see because I'm 47. And I need glasses really bad. My arm is only so long. So he quickly came down and welcomed Jesus joyfully. He didn't hesitate. He didn't wait. 
He got down to the tree immediately. Don't you wish your children had that ability to do what you say immediately and joyfully? Don't you wish your husband had that anointing on his life? He, he comes down, he welcomes Jesus immediately. And verse seven says, all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they are so upset because Jesus is busting up their religious expectation. But Jesus doesn't care because when you're God, you don't have to impress anybody. You're not worried about what they say about you on Facebook or Twitter or MySpace if you're old like that. What happens? The Bible says... Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. He repents of his sin. He owns up to his mistakes. He publicly confesses that he's been extorting people for money. He says, I'll make it right, and he calls Jesus Lord, Yahweh. He is confessing his faith now in Jesus. And I want you to see how Jesus receives this. I want you to see how Jesus responds to his simple prayer. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. That's his mission. That's the reason he came. And Jesus has just seen a notorious sinner who was hated by all the children of Abraham. Every Jew Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right foot, left foot, right hand. You know the song? You do, don't you, sister? I could tell you were filled with the Holy Spirit. All these children of Abraham hate Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means Jesus, and Jesus says, now you're in the family. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. You're in the family too. I want to point out a few things to you very quickly. Number one, when we're looking for answers, Jesus is already looking for us. Zacchaeus goes that day. He's curious. He's looking for answers. He's got enough money. He's got enough houses. He's had all the success and achievement in the world. And if you enter the Enneagram, let me just tell you right now, I'm a three. Threes love success. Threes love achievement. Threes love to be applauded for their hard work. I can relate. I love being successful. I love achieving things. I will sometimes make a list in the morning and I just get so much joy checking things off the list. And sometimes I'll do something that wasn't on my list and then I go back and add it after I've done it just so I can feel the adrenaline rush of crossing it off my list. Somebody is relating with me right now. But what happens in your life when there's nothing else to check off the list? What happens in your life when no success makes you happy and no achievement gives you peace? I'm going to tell you what happens. That's when you hear Jesus calling your name come out of that tree. See, he was looking for Jesus, but he was late. Jesus been looking for Zacchaeus a long time, knew exactly where he was, saw him up in that tree and said, I see you, I know you, come on down. I'm not ashamed to be affiliated with you. When you're looking for answers, 
when I'm looking for answers, Jesus is already looking for us. And what I love about this too is that Zacchaeus is real. He's up a tree, man. Lonely. I mean, right now because of COVID, they're saying that depression rates, suicide rates, anxiety rates, the highest they have ever been in America. Our country's full of a lot of lonely people. And the current condition of America right now is pandemic, partial shutdown, political anger, everybody mad at each other, everybody screaming at each other, friendships, ending, family members not talking to each other because of stuff. That's our current condition. But in Jesus' name, it's about to change because your current condition is not your ultimate conclusion. And Zacchaeus proves it. Your current condition is not your ultimate conclusion because when Jesus shows up, he changes things. He changes things. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus changed Zacchaeus' eternal destiny. He changes things when Jesus comes into your life. He, he changes your spending habits. Some of y'all broke. You broke as a joke. Your college broke. Like eating other people's ramen noodles. I remember I used to do that in college. And you're like, why am I broke? Well, for a lot of people right now, that's your current condition because you've lost a job, your restaurant closed, your business closed because uh, COVID has messed everything up. But for other people, you're broke because you're robbing God because you're not tithing. You're taking what belongs to him. You know what you can do today? Let Jesus change you. Start being a giver. Don't give because you got to. Give because you get to. I don't got to give. I get to give. Don't rob me of that blessing. See, you, you can change your ultimate conclusion, but, but only if you respond when Jesus calls you. I gotta tell y'all a story. I'm adopted, and I didn't know anything about my biological family until last year. And at 46 years old, I located my biological family, and I tell the story in, in Reborn. In the chapter on Zacchaeus, I tell this story. I start the chapter with this story. I found out from my cousin who lives in Myrtle Beach that I did not know. By the way, um, I had a lot of crazy stuff happen when I found out who my family was. I went to the prom with my third cousin in 1990. Didn't know she was my third cousin. Praise God I did not kiss her. <laughs> um, found out that my wife is my sixth cousin. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. Now, it doesn't really count. Shari, this woman right here, is my sixth cousin. Some of y'all like, pastor. I checked. It's okay. I did. I literally checked with a scientist to make sure everything was okay. They said, yeah, that, that doesn't even register. But I found this out from a history book that my cousin sent me, a copy of some pages from this book he found on Google Books. After the Civil War, in 18, I believe it was 1866, like, no, no, I'm sorry, it was, uh, it was 18, uh, it was about 15 or 20 years after the Civil War ended. My great-great-grandfather, Henry Martin, was 10 years old, and he was living on an old southern plantation where most of the emancipated slaves were still living because we know that that dark part of American history, the part that, that we now regret, the, the place where so much of modern racism still stems from and comes from, that so many of the slaves who were emancipated had nowhere to go. And so many of them ended up living right there where they used to be beaten and mistreated by their masters. And there was an emancipated slave 
that lived on the same plantation where my great-great-grandfather and his family wound up living, and his name was Plint Rogers. So my, I found this out from my cousin when I located my biological family. Had all these people in my life I never even knew I was related to. And in this book page that he sent me, it tells a story of my great-great-grandfather, Henry Martin, who knew that Plint Rogers would get up every morning. He was half blind, but he would feel his way by an old fence to a big old oak tree on the backside of a pasture where they would keep some animals, donkeys and cows and things like that. And Plint Rogers had this big booming voice and blind Plint Rogers would go out every morning and pray and you could hear him pray all over the farm. Well, my 10-year-old grandfather decides, I'm gonna, great-great-grandfather decides, I want to go out there. He goes out there early one morning before Plant Rogers got to the tree. And guess what my great-great-grandfather did? He climbed up in the top of that old oak tree. He climbed up in the top of that old oak tree. And evidently, his plan that he told later in his testimony was that when old man Plant Rogers came out to pray, he was going to answer him as if he were God from heaven like a typical 10-year-old boy. But either Plant Rogers was not as blind as he thought he was or the Spirit of God gave him spiritual eyes because apparently Plant Rogers knew that little Henry was up in top of the tree and when he got to the tree that morning, he began to pray out loud for Jesus to save little Henry Martin, for Jesus to touch his heart, for him to call Henry Martin into the ministry. Henry Martin, my great-great-grandfather, sitting on top of an oak tree, hears a blind, emancipated slave named Plant Rogers pray for salvation. In the top of that tree, my 10-year-old great-great-grandfather prayed to receive Christ, went on to Furman University, became a Baptist pastor in Virginia and North Carolina and was even on the board of directors for the Virginia Baptist Orphanage. He got saved in a tree. Jesus will come anywhere to meet you. Don't miss this though. Our sins are redeemed when we repent. Zacchaeus stands up he came down from the tree, and now he's standing up to be seen and heard. Here and now, Lord, I, I commit I'll give back everything I ever took. And if I, am, if I, ever, if I ever extorted money, I'm going to multiply it times four. Do you realize that mathematically, I mean, I'm not really great at math, but mathematically, whatever he had, whatever he had amassed, he lost it all that day. Just do the math. If he returned everything he stole and then four times what he had embezzled or extorted from people, he's broke. But now he's really rich. Because now he's a son of Abraham. Because now his sins are forgiven. Because now his debt is paid. Because now the guilt has peeled off of his back. Because now the shame and regret is gone. Because now he doesn't have to be alone anymore because he's in a new family. He is a son of Abraham now. And Zacchaeus is a changed man. You know why? Because Jesus saves us completely and immediately. He saves everything about us. 
He saves us immediately. In this story, we see Jesus go straight to Zacchaeus, come down. Immediately, he came down. The next thing you know, they're at his house. And Zacchaeus says, here and now. In the Greek, it literally, he uses the phrase, right here, right now, I publicly declare I'm giving it all back. That's complete. That's immediate. He didn't delay. That's why when I preach, I give invitations right here, right now, on the spot for people to do business with God. Because I know how Satan works. He wants you to get distracted. He wants me to just kind of fumble the ending of the message and then let y'all go on your way because the minute you walk out that door, you're on your screen. I'm on my phone. I'm distracted. I'm worried about whether or not the Browns or the Bengals are ever going to win another game or if the Dallas Cowboys are ever going to do any good because I'm a Cowboys fan. Pray for me. I know that Satan wants to distract us, and that's why when I preach as an evangelist and as a pastor, I want to immediately call people for a decision. Decide now, because why would you delay something this good? Why would you wait for something this important? Man, if you're dying and you're bleeding and you're about to bleed out and somebody is standing right there over you, an EMT, a doctor, a medical professional, and they offer you help, you're crazy if you say no. And every one of us without Jesus is bleeding to death. Sin's killing us. But Jesus died on the cross to take away that sin debt so that we might be saved. He did it on a tree. You know this? In Deuteronomy, the Bible says, anyone who hangs from a tree is cursed. We see Zacchaeus in the beginning of this story hanging from a tree. He's up in a tree hanging from it, symbolically cursed. He uses his hands and his feet to climb up that tree to see Jesus. And then he meets Jesus, who will, in just a few short months, use his hands and his feet to climb up on a cross where he will be nailed so that the curse will be broken. Zacchaeus hangs from a tree to find Jesus. Jesus hangs from a tree to break the curse. Cursed under our sin, but then raised to life by his heavenly father. And now he's here in this room and his Holy Spirit's touching some of you. And some of you know right now you need to get saved. So let's do it. Close your eyes and open your hearts right now. It's time. Eyes closed, hearts open. I wanna invite you if you need to be saved to pray and trust Jesus now. Immediately, deliberately, completely, right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you don't have to pray this prayer out loud. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and come forward. I'm simply going to ask you right where you sit right now, if the Spirit of God has drawn you to Jesus and his salvation, pray this prayer to him right now in your heart, and he'll save you. He's listening. Pray this to him. Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin and I trust you. I receive your forgiveness. I believe you're alive. I receive your love. I'm all yours, Jesus, and I'm all in. Save me right now. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed, keep your hearts open. I'm going to ask you to do one thing boldly and quickly and deliberately. Don't hesitate. I'm going to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer and for real, for the first time, you meant it, you just gave your life to Jesus, you knew what you were doing, and you asked him to save you. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus and, and you're willing, would you do one simple thing? Nobody looking but me 
and the Holy Spirit. But if you just pray to receive Christ, would you raise your hand straight up above your head right now? I want you to raise it up and I want you to keep it up so I can see you from the stage. I'm not gonna point you out, but I'm gonna count and stir faith in this house. Keep them up, please. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 20. All right, open your eyes and look up here at me for a moment. Let's celebrate 20 people that just responded to the gospel and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Satan has lost another multitude to God. He'll never get them back because you've been bought with a price. Therefore, you are not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ now. He has sealed you with a promise. His Holy Spirit, who is a deposit that guarantees your inheritance, Ephesians 1, 12, and 13. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.